Shopify presents Cool Sheets from AHA to Lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my AHA moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoiced. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. We're going to talk NBA playoffs, Steph Curry's uh, GOAT uh, argument. Okay, maybe not GOAT, but uh, in that in that category, we're going to talk the dynasty of the Warriors, and we're going to do all that with Parker Ainsworth of Belly Up Sports and the FN Sports Podcast. We're going to give you some other thoughts along the way as well. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to an all-new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. Usually, this time of the week, we're doing our local hour episodes, but as the school year has winded down, we're going to take the month of June off from the local hour. We'll come back in July with all kinds of content uh, and exciting announcements and things as well. Uh, But throughout the month of June, uh, we will transition this Wednesday episode into our uh, just typical sports talk programming. And today we've got a great show for you in just a few minutes. Parker Ainsworth, the host of the FN Sports Podcast and uh, the basketball head at Belly Up Sports will be joining us to talk all things NBA uh, Finals. And we're going to get into some fun conversation, I believe, about Steph Curry, the Warriors Dynasty, and other things in the NBA as well. Today's episode is presented by In The Clutch. In The Clutch provides a licensed, officially licensed apparel. Uh, our baseball, basketball, some football, some uh, uh, retro things as well. And uh, so excited to bring that uh, to you. And we've got a code for you. If you go to intheclutch.com, use code SPORTSSTOVE, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Uh, again, they've got some some awesome stuff there at In The Clutch. You go out and visit them, intheclutch.com. Use the code SPORTSSTOVE, you get 10% off your first purchase. Uh, so we do have some exciting stuff coming up for you, but want to hit a few topics before Parker comes on and uh, share a few things with you. On our last episode, uh, me and my dad talked about Gabe Kapler and uh, shared our thoughts on his protest by staying inside during the national anthem and coming out. I wanted to applaud Gabe Kapler uh, specifically for Monday. On Monday, Gabe Kapler decided that he was going to go ahead and come out for the national anthem. And uh, I want to give the correct uh, uh, credit here for this. This is uh, off of ESPN.com. 
But he said, today I'll be standing for the anthem. And while I strongly believe or believe strongly in the right to protest and the importance of doing so, I also believe strongly in honor and honoring and mourning our country's servicemen and women who fought and died for that right. Those who serve in our military and especially those who have paid the ultimate price for our rights and freedoms deserve that acknowledgement and respect. And I'm honored to stand on the line today to show mine uh, a lot of respect for Gabe Kapler. Uh, through when all this started with Colin Kaepernick, there was an argument, a large argument between, behind how disrespectful the act was of kneeling during the national anthem. And I believe that the staying inside is is less disrespectful. But the argument has always been is what the national anthem, what it stands for. It is pride. It is pride in the country. It is it is um, honoring those who serve. In my opinion, every time the national anthem is played, it is a time where people consider uh, what the uh, how we got the freedoms that we have. And, uh, and so I've always felt like uh, protesting during the anthem is disrespectful. But I also believe that one of the freedoms we have is the freedom to protest as long as done peacefully. And and so for that reason, I try to at least give a little bit of grace to that uh, situation, even though I disagree with it. I do understand that that it is their freedom and their right to do so. But then the argument has been, well, it's not about the national anthem. Well, of course, it's about the national anthem, because that's when you protest. Uh, if it wasn't about the national anthem, you do it at a different time of the game. Uh, but that's when they do it. And I think it's proven, as a matter of fact, uh, how disrespectful it is by the fact that Gabe Kapler understood how respectful it is on uh, it was on Monday. But all that being said, whether I agree with it or not, I applaud Gabe Kapler and his understanding that at, at the very least, Memorial Day is a day where we take time to look back and think about and consider. And uh, if you're a praying person, pray for the families of those who've lost loved ones uh, in, in service of our nation. And so I appreciated that. And I wanted to make sure I shared that considering that uh, I don't, uh, I don't think we were too harsh in our last episode, but uh, we definitely uh, were against Gabe Kapler and what he's doing. So, uh, and really all of it, all the anthem protests I, I'm against, but like I said, I also understand it is the right and freedom to do so. And for that, I can side with with anybody who does that because it's a wonderful privilege that we have in most other countries, not all, most other countries, uh, you would not be able to protest uh, when it came to a, a, a national respect issue. And uh, so there you go. Be disrespectful as you want to. You have the freedom to do so. And uh, but I applaud Gabe Kapler for his uh, decision on Monday to come out. And what an interesting baseball season it's been when we're not talking about uh, anthem protests and uh, the Cincinnati Reds being absolutely horrendous. It's been a great baseball season so far. Cincinnati has done actually some positive things. They're back on a losing streak. Well, one loss, uh, but they are now up to 16 wins on the season, 16 and 31, and are working to get out of the cellar. They're tied with the Kansas City Royals for last place in the entire league uh, but we're starting to see some call-ups from different people across the league, all kinds of injuries, uh, pitchers and all kinds of other issues. The White Sox are making their trip to Toronto, and so they had to put guys on the restricted list who did not meet the qualifications of Canada. 
another reason to dislike Canada. Uh, but uh, the, you know this this situation, everybody knew it was going to come. You know what the rules are. You know what the stipulations or the guidelines are. The teams know that too. So when it's time to go to Toronto, there are certain guys that aren't going to make the trip for for several teams. And it really doesn't hurt the White Sox considering the way that the schedule worked out. But that being said, uh, it's just that continuing lingering thought of how the times have changed due to COVID. And uh, and we're watching these players kind of sit out and now have to wait wait out a certain amount of time to get back into the game. But uh, because of the Toronto trip, because of Canada. Uh, that being said, uh, that's not the only reason people are missing games. There have been injuries left and right pitchers are dropping like flies right now. So we're going to see a lot of guys we don't know the names of unless you follow the team um, and those sorts of things as well. A couple things uh, on these standings. The American League East is still one of the more entertaining divisions as Tampa has jumped right back up to second place in the division. The Yankees still in first. Toronto is trying to hold on there in a five-game win streak right now, seven of their last ten. And uh, so they're up there towards the top as well. Boston has finally looked like they're starting to turn things around Still under 500, but they are inching closer, and maybe they figured some things out uh, there as well. So that'll be a continued fun division to watch throughout the rest of the season. The American League Central, they've got one team over 500. The White Sox are now at 500. The Twins still lead the division, um, but nobody in that division is really doing much much good at the moment, at the very least. Minnesota, they're, they've done fine. They're 6-4 uh, and four in their last 10. Uh, and uh, they've got a decent run differential, but they're, they've are they not been super impressive. Let's put it that way. The White Sox, on the other hand, are still trying to figure things out. They've got injury issues. The Guardians are four under 500. The Tigers and the Royals are nothing to write home about. In the American League West, you got Houston has finally surpassed and up to the top. They've been there for a little while now uh, at the top of the division. The Angels are on a five-game losing streak, so maybe they are who we thought they were. Thank you, Dennis Green, for that. Um, uh, maybe the Angels are falling back down to, to what they've shown to be over the last several years. Seattle, maybe one of the biggest disappointments of the season so far, as they're now in fourth place. The Texas Rangers in third place in the division. They're a game out of 500, a game behind, excuse me, 500, under 500. Um, started to show some promise down there as well. Maybe they're free agents uh, that they picked up in the offseason are finally figuring things out down there in that stadium as well. But Houston is the front runner in the West, even though the Angels look like they were going to be legit this year. They're not currently. We'll have some baseball guests on here in the future to talk about that as well. In the National League, the New York Mets in the East continue to lead the way pretty strongly. They're nine and a half games up uh, on Atlanta. They've won their last four. Uh, Atlanta is under 500. Uh, it's amazing how bad the National League East has been these last two years. But Atlanta, even though they won the World Series, right? Uh, they're there. Philadelphia on a four-game losing streak. Uh, they are seven games under 500. Miami is back to earth after a decent start to the season, and Washington is still horrendous as well. Is Juan Soto the next Mike Trout? Uh, Trout, best player in baseball. And then what happened? Never makes the playoffs. Uh, he's good, but the team's bad. Well, Juan Soto is starting to fall into that category too, so we'll talk more about that when we have our baseball guests on in the future as well. In the National League Central, Milwaukee Brewers, they've got some major – major issues at uh, pitching right now. And uh, it's a, 
I just had my microphone go out. I apologize. Uh, and it is just a kind of a sad situation with what they've got going on uh, there as well. Uh, so you got that. You've got the uh, Cardinals are trying to fight there. Then you got the West, the Dodgers leading the way with San Diego and San Francisco on their tails and everybody else falling back to earth as well. All right, so what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and I'm going to try to fix my audio. And then we'll be back with more of the Sports Stove podcast after this quick break. InTheClutch.com, the newest sponsors of the Sports Stove podcast, and we are excited to partner with InTheClutch.com. They have officially licensed apparel and accessories for your favorite sports teams and athletes. Use code SPORTSSTOVE and get 10% off your first purchase. You can find shirts like I Still Own You from Green Bay Packers. Are we talking about practice? All kinds of great shirts in baseball, football, hockey, and basketball. Officially licensed apparel from InTheClutch.com. Again, use the code SPORTSSTOVE to get 10% off your purchase. All right, welcome back to the Sports Stove Podcast, and I want to tell you about Elementor as well. Get Elementor, the ultimate WordPress website builder. With live drag-and-drop editor, you can build and customize every part of your website with zero coding required. Elementor is your your all-inclusive solution for your website. Create, manage, and host your website through Elementor. Use the Sports Stove exclusive link in the episode notes on YouTube or any podcast platform and uh, find out for yourself how Elementor can help you uh, create a better website or get your first website off the ground. They do great stuff, great pricing uh, and eligibility there for you as well. And again, use that uh, link that we provide through um, the episode details, the episode notes, and uh, you'll help us out too. And we surely appreciate that. We're excited to announce a new sponsorship that we have uh, uh, worked out and excited to partner with. It's a local sponsor that we'll be using in our local hour coverage. That's with Mad Mushroom Pizza. Mad Mushroom Pizza is located in Richmond, Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, also Lafayette, Indiana. But uh, nonetheless, we're going to be partnering with them, and we'll hear a lot about them during the football season, college football season, basketball season, moving forward as well. Uh, So looking forward to partner with Mad Mushroom Pizza. And then, of course, as you just heard about In the Clutch, again, In the Clutch has officially licensed apparel. Uh, Great stuff there. Uh, If you like uh, um, graphic tees, if you like, uh, you know, stuff with the retro sports stuff on it, things like that as well. It's all there for you. You go to InTheClutch.com, use the code SPORTSSTOVE, and uh, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase uh, when you do that. So make sure you go and check out InTheClutch.com. And again, Elementor, make sure you use that link in the podcast episode notes or the YouTube episode notes as well. All right, it is time to talk some basketball. And to do that, we bring in the president of the Akeem Olajuwon Fan Club, the one and only Parker Ainsworth. Parker, how you doing? <laughs> I, I like that introduction. I'll take being president of that club any day, every day. How you doing, Vince? I'm doing great. You know, it's funny. Uh, I knew you're an Elijah One fan, but. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. 
go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Uh, our basketball practices are about to start up. And uh, it's my first year as the head coach for the varsity and JV team. And uh, so one of the things I've been doing is watching some NBA players to uh, help with some different technique things and things like that. And I've watched so much Akeem Olajuwon tape to look at footwork for post guys and stuff like that. And I have just been drawn more and more to Akeem Olajuwon since watching some of his tape. Uh, he's a fun guy, fun guy to study. Yeah, if you've got guys that are mimicking the Olajuwon footwork, you've got some talented post players, Vince. <laughs> We've got one or two that maybe can come somewhat close. Uh, the other guys, we'll, we'll look at some other people. <laughs> we'll do our best we'll with them. Hey, I'm excited to talk some NBA with you. And uh, as the season is coming very close to a very close to an end, and uh, we're in the NBA Finals now, Boston and Golden State, just like everyone predicted at the beginning of the season. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, it's one thing, we'll get to the games here in just a second, but I was looking at the schedule, and I don't remember it being that spread out. Game one's Thursday, game two Sunday, uh, game three's Wednesday, and so many days in between games, and maybe it has been that way. I just don't remember it. Is, is that normal? Um. So I would have to look at to see what else they're scheduling around between. So they usually give a day of practice plus a travel day if it's a travel situation on the NBA uh, finals. What's been interesting is that people have noted, I think Mark Cuban noted very publicly, that that's not quite how the playoffs themselves ran this year. Um, And now we've got a few days off here as kind of like downtime between when game seven happened on Sunday and the finals starting on Thursday. Um, I, I will say that... I think we're not used to. Th- I, I do think this is more normal. But last year, remember the COVID season pushed everything back so far, and then they were trying to squeeze things in right before the Olympics started because theoretically you want to make sure you have guys that can do both. Um, and so, like, is this the first time we haven't had condensed basketball in a long time? But I think it's if you true. go back to like 2019, like the Raptors win, it would have been something similar to this. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. So we come in Boston. I was going for Miami. Um, you know, and mainly because of Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero, but um, I don't dislike Boston. My dad's a Boston fan, although until this year he didn't know who Jalen Brown was. So say whatever it is, he was a Larry Bird fan. But anyways, uh, that being said, Boston's got a great team. They've definitely earned their way here. In they beat what uh, the Nets, which was a tough, tough draw. Swept, swept the Nets. Swept the Nets. Beat the the reigning champ, not the reigning champions. Yeah, the reigning champion Bucks. Uh, and then they, they defeated the one seed in the Heat to get to where they are. So they've not had an easy path to get here. No, not at all. Um, and frankly, they're doing it with a first-year head coach in Imudoka and uh, a bunch of guys. I guess Horford's a little bit older, but like Robert Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, those guys are all really young. <laughs> like This is really a, a very impressive team that – did play very well from February on. Like if you look at their their splits, there's something happens in early February, late July, uh, late January where things really change for them. Um, part of that's probably figuring themselves out, new coach out, etc. Um, but man, they really they really turned it on in a big way. The defensive things, and we'll talk more about the matchup with the Warriors, I'm sure, as we go. But their defense, if that's the type of basketball you like watching, their defense is phenomenal. They're running Miami off the three-point line, but they're also clogging up the lane so Giannis can't get to the cup, and they're doing all kinds of things against whoever they see. It's really impressive. It's kind of a lot of the same guys, not all of them, of course, but that um, almost went to the finals 
what, three, four years ago when was it Kyrie was on the team but wasn't playing, was hurt. Um, and it was kind of like Tatum and Brown said, you know, we can do this. And we thought we'd see them back earlier, uh, but they finally make it back. And, and with Brad Stevens stepping away and they bring in Anudoku, uh, Duke, Aduka, Aduka, Aduka. Uh, yeah, uh, with, with that, all that happening, uh, for them to be here, to me, it's a surprise. Again, they've got the talent. There's no question about that. But there was a lot of change that happened, and it seemed kind of abrupt. It wasn't a surprise that Ainge stepped away. In my opinion, it was a huge surprise that Stevens stepped out of the head coaching position and into the front office. Uh, and they sure sure ended up making it work, especially as the season went on. Yeah, I think what's interesting there is, like, obviously we give Brad Stevens a lot of credit for a number of things as a coach. He ultimately, it seems like, saw, like, one of the big flaws in the system was, was almost himself. I, I guess I don't know if he had the option to be the president and coach, like we've seen some organizations do. Uh, but he clearly promoted and, and found and pulled Adoka up and moved himself to a different chair. Um, I, I have to say that, like, on the whole, uh, th- the team is, like, present. the way they're presently playing, if they were playing like this in November, I don't think it'd be a surprise. They just got mm-hmm. so much better over the course of the season that, I mean, we were talking about, I mean, on my show, we had, you know, do can you play Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together? That talk was as recently as February, right? And now it's like, oh, which one would you hand the Eastern Conference Finals MVP trophy to? Like, like they're a whole different conversation, right? Um, and yeah. that's really, I think, credit to what they're doing in Boston. Uh, I honestly, I did not pick Boston even at the start of the playoffs. Uh, my pick was, uh, I think I said on this show as well, the, uh, Milwaukee and Phoenix round two. Uh, you know, injuries happened. Milwaukee had Chris Middleton go down. Um, but Boston also like had to defend Giannis. <laughs> like that was it was. I don't want to like make it all about Chris Middleton. Like that was they did have to keep Giannis out of the paint, and frankly destroyed Milwaukee in Game Seven. It went to seven, but destroyed Milwaukee in Game Seven of that series. Um, really, really fun team. That was a great Williams game. I guess it's another SEC guy. Not, I don't know how much you feel about those Tennessee guys, but uh, well, so I grew up in Tennessee and. <laughs> I grew up a Kentucky basketball fan, if that tells you anything. So uh, I didn't know Tennessee had a men's basketball team. No one ever talked about them. So, uh, so I cheered for Kentucky because I knew they had a basketball team, and I couldn't cheer for Vanderbilt because my dad hated Vanderbilt. So there you go. Um, but yeah, Grant Williams, he's he had himself a game for sure, and uh, and sounds like they might have a role for him going forward uh, to be more effective, maybe moving forward as well. Maybe inconsistent some of those guys, um, Tatum and Brown, obviously not. Uh, Smart has inconsistent offensive d- games, um, and to me, Smart Marcus Smart is. I don't know, this is a great comparison. Uh, John Starks. Um, <laughs> you love him. You love him when he's on your team, and you love him when he's when he's hitting stuff. Um, but then you get frustrated with him at times too, because there's not always the best consistency with him. Yeah, and what's interesting. Um... So Marcus Smart is like very much vocal leader, heart and soul. A lot of great defenses tend to have that guy. You mentioned Starks in the '90s Knicks, but you know that you could argue Dumars did very similar things uh, with with the older Pistons as far as being a little guy that like didn't back down from anyone. Um, what I think is interesting in watching the Celtics, and they had five guys get first team All Defensive votes, right? You could argue that Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year and might be the third or fourth best defender on his own team. <laughs> like, depending on the night, it, it's really um, he does a lot of the like dive on the floor stuff that sticks out like that. Um, but as far as like one on one defense or help site or whatever, he really they're just all very talented. And he's 
he's the headliner. He's the yeah. he's the guy diving in the first row. And he's almost the uh, Draymond of of the uh, Celtics. And so let's transition to Draymond Green and the Warriors. Uh, they got Steph Curry, of course, Clay Thompson. Uh, not not the old Clay Thompson, but he has he has some pretty solid nights still. Uh, I think he could still take me one on one. But uh, Wiggins has, has he's had himself a game in the playoffs as well, and he's been a, a solid piece for that team. And he fits it fits well for him to be on a team like that. But uh, this Warriors team, when when we started the playoffs, you know, my I wanted Phoenix to go. I picked Phoenix to go, but I said this Warriors team is dangerous. I think everybody knows that. It, that's not a a hot, you know, hot take, but uh, very dangerous. And here they sit with an opportunity now to uh, win another title without Kevin Durant. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll talk more about the like potential implications of all of that as we go. And belly up is doing a big basketball show right before game three. And frankly, right before game three, you may kind of know how that's going. Um, <laughs> the the truth is like, you may have like, if the Warriors up two, a bunch of blowouts, we might know where it's going or if they, you know, it's one, one, the, the truth is, is that like, what's fascinating about this iteration of the Warriors is there's a weird way to talk about it where it's like, this is a third completely different team. Uh, the first team, uh, 2015 and the 2016 team that almost won, right? They were up 3-1 and then blew it or whatever. Um, that team was Steph and Clay and a young Dre. And frankly, Draymond was a big part of scoring on those teams in a way yeah. he hasn't really been since. Obviously, the 17-18 and then 19, they get hurt. That iteration of the Warriors is Kevin Durant. And they can basically beat you however you want them to beat you. You want to play isolation? We got the best isolation player in the NBA. You want to play movement ball? We got the best movement shooter in the NBA. Like, like we, they can do whatever they want. This one's a little different in that um, they don't have they, they don't have the like the defensive energy that the 15-16 team had, and that's because some of the star guys are a little bit older, right? Curry's a little bit older. Clay's had the injuries you alluded to. Draymond, it's hard to play like that for an extended period of time and spend eight years, right? Like that, it's hard to do that. But they have guys like Wiggins who like fill their role well. Jordan Poole fills his role well. Otto Porter, Kevon Looney, all these guys step in and do their job. And that, while it's different guys, so it's the third iteration in that sense, is the consistency of this dynasty over the course of the last decade is they get guys that come in and do their job. Um, I I think that we're going to see Gary Payton Jr. It looks like as early as game one. And Gary Payton Jr. is like the epitome of that. He like he comes in and like he attacks the basket on like back cuts and stuff like that. But outside of that, he's not involved in the offense. But on defense, he is a lot like his father. Honestly, like he is like getting your face kind of like he's not as good as his father, but the same kind of guy, right? Yeah. Um, fascinating to see like guys just say, okay, my only job on offense is to do back cuts. All right, then I'm gonna give 100 percent on defense, and that's my job. And we're gonna win a championship. Me doing my job, and it's you mentioned you coach. It's refreshing to see <laughs> as a coach guys that buy into their role. Um, yeah. And it's, it's wild to see that consistency over eight or nine years now. And you got to think having one of the better role players in NBA history as your head coach um, should help with that. You get to see that, Hey, this guy, he won championships on two different teams being a role player, a shooter, mainly spot up shooter, but um, he won two championships. He knows what he's talking about. And now he's won championships as a coach too. So that helps as well. But uh, you would think he has some pretty good insight on, Hey, if you'll play your role, this team can be successful. Completely. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because he said in the first and second iterations of the words, if that's what we're running with here, that he would talk to Steph and Durant 
about things Jordan would do. Like he's like, hey, I, you know, when I played with Mike, Mike would do this. Or when I played with Duncan, Duncan would do this or, or whatever, right? But what you're talking about, I think, is just as important is he can speak to all of those role guys about just how important they are, right? He hits the big shot. I forget which year it is in the finals, but the kick out from Jordan to Kerr for three, and it's like, just how we drew it up, right? <laughs> like, like that's that he gets that aspect of, of doing your job in a way that, you know, there's a reason that Jordan's Hornets aren't, aren't as good as Kerr's Warriors, right? Like, it's hard to ask people to do what Jordan did, but Kerr can get those guys to do what he does. Um, you see a number of different head coaches across the league that are former role players. So I don't mean to act like this is like new. He's just very good at it, right? He's very good at it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so you look at the way these teams match up. Um, Boston has a little bit more length overall, uh, but Steph Curry's on the Warriors. And he's kind of like, he's, he's different than LeBron because he doesn't have that overpowering size advantage. But when Steph's on the floor, he finds a way to get his gets his shot off. And he always gives your team a chance. I don't think you can be comfortable with a 20-point lead, maybe at all in the NBA anymore, but definitely when you're playing against the Warriors. So when you look at this matchup, Warriors and Celtics, what are you seeing as the things that will stand out uh, to benefit either team? Well, you know, obviously I think the thing that everyone's talking about right now is you have, statistically speaking, this is not just like an opinion, the best defense in the NBA in Boston – across multiple metrics, points per game, points per possessions, you know, points per hundred possessions, et cetera. Uh, best defense in the NBA, playing against the best, most unique offense. Because I guess other teams did put up more points per game or points per hundred possessions or whatever this season, but no one does it quite like Golden State in that they've got Hall of Famer Steph Curry, Hall of Famer Draymond Green, Hall of Famer Clay Thompson, and they don't run isolation plays. And and I, I I think that that's hard to like gather if you remember watching like a lot of 90s basketball or like pre-triangle offense basketball because that's what a lot of teams did, pre-triangle offense, right? But the truth is, is that what that means is you don't get a break at any point. So they're going to put Marcus Smart and Steph Curry, and he's going to run around for 45, 48 minutes, right? And if you... I think I heard this said by a guy named Amin Hassan who used to be on The Jump. He has his own podcast and stuff now. He was saying, you can win 46 minutes against the Warriors and win those 46 minutes by a lot and lose by seven. Because those two minutes that you don't win, they yeah. obliterate you. They just, they go three, 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 three. And it's just, do, 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 do. And you just have no idea where it's coming from. And all of a sudden, you're down 10 points. Um, and so what's going to be fascinating to see is how the tremendous defense of Boston sticks up to or plays with that movement because it's just unlike things they've seen. They've seen the big heavy isolation in Giannis with all the shooters around him, right? They've seen, frankly, a guy like Jimmy Butler a couple different times in the Miami series really put his hand and say, I'm going to try to win this game on my own. They've seen all of that. You There's no team in the NBA doing what Golden State does for better or for worse. And it, it I, you have to have guys that are special enough to do it, obviously, but it's really, really unique in how they attack you with their superstars. Um, it's like if Ray Allen was also Allen Iverson, right? Like he has the quickness, Steph Curry does, of the quickness of that, but with the same kind of jump shot. And it's just, it just changes how things go. I think on the other side, and I've talked too long, so I'm sorry, but on the other side, Golden State's defense against Boston's offense is where you're going to see Boston's size kick in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Boston's a lot bigger. Tatum's like 6'10". Brown's like a strong 6'9", 6'8". Uh, Robert Williams, then keep him on the floor, defended the rent. We saw the difference he made. In the Eastern Conference Finals, when he's on the floor, when he's on the floor, um, that that's where you see the size kicking. But on defense, when Boston's on defense, their size is—I'm more worried about their speed than their size. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think your obviously coaching advantage goes to Golden State as well, but you've got some smart guys there to help Udoka as well, uh, and he's proven that he can do the jobs. <laughs> so I don't know how important that is. It's obviously important. I don't know how much of a difference, I guess, that makes in that series. So I, I predicted a quick finals. I think it'll be entertaining no matter what, but I'm saying Warriors in five. Uh, where do you lean on this one? So I was debating this, um, I guess, was it just yesterday? God, it feels like a long time ago. Uh, I, <laughs> in my head, I'm thinking Warriors in seven, but I, I think that that makes it feel like a much closer series than it will feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you're going to have is more like the Eastern Conference Finals where it went seven games, but there were a bunch of blowouts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, honestly, I think Golden State's going to run them out of the gym in game one. Uh, I think Golden State's going to show up with speed that is hard to replicate in practice. And I think it's gonna—it's just hard to understand how fast you have to play on the defensive end and how you can't lose track in game one. I kind of think Boston, once they've seen it once, can come back and like make an adjustment between games and win game two. Uh, and so I, I see it going seven with both teams winning a game on the other team's floor. Um, Golden State will have some sort of an explosion in Boston. Anyway, and then they come back to game seven and they win in San Francisco. Um, I... If you told me it was going to be a short series, the only short series I see happening is Golden State. I don't think Boston can win a short series. I think they're going to have to take some time to adjust to what Golden State does and how different they are. To be fair, Boston's also only played one short series. And that short series they played was four games. It was four really close games. Like that could have easily been a game that the series got extended to five or six or seven games, right? And so I think it'll be Golden State in seven. I, I don't think, and maybe that's just me, hopefully, you know, hope the season lasts longer or whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I I just see Boston making a couple of adjustments and making Kerr adjust. And we've seen in the NBA playoffs so far that teams are adjusting between games as opposed to in-game a lot. Yeah, and they've got half a week to prepare for it. So they <laughs> very well just may do it. Uh, Steph Curry, he is very close, if not already in rare error when it comes to um, players in the NBA history. I heard Reggie Miller talking about this on Dan Patrick last week, and his deal was is uh, he doesn't have a top 10. His deal is once you make the top 10, you're always in the top 10, so nobody gets out of the top 10. You just <laughs> jump into that tier. So you can have 15 guys in the top 10. He's got, he's got 25 top 10 players all the time. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the, of course, the, the biggest thing that matters probably the most is who's number one. Michael Jordan is the GOAT, in my opinion. Uh, and cannot be surpassed uh, ever, but uh, I, I could be maybe proven wrong. Um, are you a MJ or, or Braun guy at one? It seems to depend on the time of day. The truth is, is that I'm more of a tiers guy. Like I go one, two, three, and then I have like three through seven. And I, I actually have been breaking this down recently because of Steph Curry, and we'll get to it in a second. But I, in my one, two, three, I throw Kareem in there, and I really, I really do mix those three guys up. Kind of depending on the day, um, Jordan wins most days. But but depending on like there'll be days that I say LeBron, and and so I I throw the cream in as well. But I, I think they're very very close to the top set. Okay, so I Bron is my fourth all time. Uh, okay. So I go I go MJ Kobe Magic. Uh, then I go Bron and Kareem. Uh, no, I do Bron and Duncan, and then Kareem. I'm a big Duncan guy. Um, I have to, I have to fight to keep him out of my top three, but nonetheless, <laughs> that's where I go. So I was looking though, with Steph and where he is, especially if he wins a title again this year. Um, he kind of, but I still think even whether he wins or not, um, what he's done so far, probably what he'll do moving forward. He's already up there in that top echelon of guys all time. I've got him sitting around. If I wrote it all out, I've got him sitting at 12 right now. 
Um, but what does it take, if anything, or is he already there for Steph to be in that upper echelon of even the conversation, maybe not GOAT MJ LeBron in most people's argument, but that next level down? Yeah, so right now um, in my tiers, he's in what I've got as my fourth tier. Each tier is about three or four guys. So I actually have him around, like you're saying, around the 11, 12 spot. Um, for likeness, I, I actually also have Kobe there, so it's interesting that you have him as high as two. Um, <laughs> but I've got him like ahead of Barkley, uh, kind of the same realm as like Moses Malone, and his buddy Kevin Durant is kind of also sitting right there. Mm-hmm. Um I, I see this as a finals that has, depending on his perfor- individual performance, he might be able to jump into my next tier up, which is Shaq, Duncan, Hakeem, um, mm-hmm. which on numbers, I guess that would somehow in some order round up the end of my top 10. Um, I don't know who he'd bump. Maybe I'd go with the Reggie Miller rule and don't bump anyone. <laughs> but I think if he were to win this one, with a great performance, he could he could get in there. If he, you know, he does not have a finals MVP. If he has an MVP type performance, he could get himself into that part of the conversation. I think the other thing that's kind of hard to gauge because he's such a unique player is he's also feels like he might not be done. And he's a guy that takes great care of his body. Um, He had injuries early in his career, had to frankly relearn to run um, because of the way his ankle was getting pressure and this, that, and the other thing he's 34. um, But truthfully in a way that feels kind of weirdly like Kareem, um, his game will age well. He doesn't because obviously speed is a big thing, but because he is such a great shooter and shoots off the dribble and can run off screens and is used to playing without the ball in his hands, he could be the number two on the Moses Moody Warriors in five years, right? Like <laughs> realistic. And I don't know if Moses Moody is the guy, maybe it's James Wiseman or Kaminga or whoever, or some guy that's in high school right now. But the, the truth is that he could be, just as effective passing the baton off like that in a way that bluntly, as much as I like him, we've seen LeBron have trouble doing right. Um, and frankly, in a way that I enjoyed watching Kobe play basketball, Kobe aged poorly because he had that one bad Achilles injury. And then he was a chucker. He needed 30 shots a game. And when he's not quite the same guy, those 30 shots a game looked a lot worse in 2014, 15, right. Yeah. Um, Curry is different in that if Curry's still getting 30 shots a game, because of the way he shoots the ball and the jump shots he's already shooting, he's not attacking the basket like a, you know, like a Kobe was, it's still going to look pretty good at 36, 37. Um, my younger brother, I was arguing with him in a text message the day, quickly pointed out, he's like, yeah, but if he catches a form to the chest, he's 170 pounds. <laughs> like that, that is different. That is wholly different. And I fully admit that if he catches the wrong forearm, it could be a whole different story. Because at 35, your body doesn't heal the same way a 25-year-old would and those things. Um, but I, he will have, I say all that to say in a long-winded way, he will have longevity, I assume, as well. So if he wins a finals like this, being the best player on the team, and makes another deep run at some point, being the second or third best player on the team, that is a lot like what Duncan did. Right, like, like that, that immediately puts him in the same kind of conversation to me as what Tim Duncan did, and that Tim Duncan came in and won a couple with David Robinson. They had the big three with Himanu and Parker. And frankly, Parker wins the finals MVP 2007. We forget like how, how, you know, much more, they were like much more even, evenly balanced at that point. And then in 2014, Kawhi comes in and wins some more, right? Like, like Kawhi has the blow up and so on and so forth. History happens, but like that was set up to keep happening for Duncan. Right. Yeah. And so I I could see that happening for Curry in a lot of ways and move, continue to move him up these charts or on my level, my tiers or whatever I've got going. 
Yeah, his career arc, it leans more like Ray Allen than it does Kobe and, and Braun um, because he can fill a different role. And the question is, is he willing to? Because <laughs> Kobe wasn't willing to take another role. Braun has right. been reluctant to, to some degree. I think he would love it if Antonio Davis would take over, but Davis, that's not his not his mentality. But uh, one of the reasons why... a Kentucky I, guy. You're going <laughs> to... Been very disappointed in AD, but uh, great in college, by the way. Phenomenal in college. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's, a, it's another conversation. If he didn't have Michael Kidd-Gilchrist in college, he wouldn't have won a championship. Um, oh, interesting. Um, and- Kidd-Gilchrist did not have the NBA career, clearly. Uh, no, but, but I... I do remember being really high on MKG out of college. Like that's actually really funny. Like I hadn't heard that name in a while, but I was pretty high on him out of college. That's really funny. He was the glue on that team. Uh, and he kept. He was the leader of that team. But anyways, um, one of the reasons I have Kobe above Braun is the the mindset, the mentality. Uh, now the end of the career wasn't great for Kobe because he wouldn't let go. But that Mamba mentality to me is what MJ I think had too. Just that killer instinct and LeBron. He has the ability to be a killer, but his he doesn't turn that on very often. Um, and I felt like Michael and Kobe, I think even Duncan, Bird, Magic, all those guys, the old guys especially, they had this you know determination um, that you saw on a more regular basis. And that's one of the reasons I knock LeBron is I just think he's he was too passive at some points in his career. Um, and of course, I'm, I don't like LeBron, so that doesn't help. But uh, I can admit my biases. Uh, I don't. I don't like. But I think Steph has a mentality too that he wants to win no matter what. And if it means him taking a step back to a different role, I think he would be more. I could be wrong. I think he could be more willing to do that and see it as important to winning, maybe more so than Braun has. And but again, LeBron's had to be that guy because. AD hasn't stepped up and Russell Westbrook's not good enough for it and uh, so on and so forth. So it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing is that we see LeBron, as you mentioned, trying to do it now and failing, not necessarily entirely to his own. I mean, you could argue as his GM, he's failing himself that we, I would argue we've seen Steph Curry do it. You don't go meet with Kevin Durant and say, come play with me. If you have a problem taking the back seat. I mean, I, I think that that's encouraging for the longevity of his career too. Uh, that's a good, good point. Where do the Warriors line up as far as dynasties go? So I put this out on uh, Twitter uh, last week and uh, trying to kind of figure out what everybody else was thinking on this. And I was surprised with the results. I'll get to that in a second. But I, I, teams that I thought of, you've got Jordan's Bulls, Showtime Lakers. Uh, you've got the Birds, Celtics. I didn't include that in the poll. Uh, the Bad Boy Pistons. you got the Spurs, uh, mainly with those three guys, Manu, Tony, and, and Duncan. Uh, as well, but the Warriors now six times in eight years they've been to the finals. Um, you know, same, pretty much the same core all along the way. With the you know, you had a KD jump in there for a little bit. Uh, same coach, all that kind of stuff throughout that. Where did this Warriors team land in the dynasty rankings? Yeah, so I probably have them somewhere above Bird Celtics. Um, you know, I, I also don't consider like the Russell Celtics. That's a whole different deal. When there's only twelve teams, it's a whole different league, right? Yeah. Um, I I would have trouble putting them ahead of the Jordan Bulls when I look at like the whole schemes of things um, because I'm like well but if they play the Jordan Bulls have Jordan and they're winning uh, yeah. <laughs> like like that's like part of my like the way I look at this um, I I probably have them again if I'm likening him to Duncan if they win this year that's again a very similar kind of mindset where 
the Spurs kind of had three guys and like Robinson was there at one point. Dunk, uh, Kevin Durant was here at one point. There's both Hall of Famers. Um, you know, Kawhi, Kawhi was there at one point. That's kind of like Phil's in the same kind of role. Um, I probably have them on par with there. And that's whatever that tied behind the Jordan Bulls. The interesting one to me is the Magic Lakers. I don't know if there's like nostalgia after the Showtime show just came out or, or whatever. But I, I think we're going to look back on the way the single franchise went to the finals that many times in a decade. And that feels very similar in comparison as well to the Spurs or these Warriors. Um, I, I weirdly, and this pains me as a Rockets fan because they beat us so many times early in this. I don't think the dynasty in Golden State's close to done. And I, I, I was wrong. I, I fully admit, I think I said something to the extent of like, I wasn't quite the Nick Wright level of like what signing Wiggins ended it. Um, yeah. But Wiggins stepped in and played a very different role. He didn't play the kind of role number one t- pick typically plays and it's, it's been fine. Um, they're going to need another star to come in and carry the load at some point. And I don't know where that, I don't know if that guy is Kaminga. I don't know who that, if that guy's Jordan Poole or, or whatever, but they need one of those guys to kind of turn out to be like that. But I, I think that they could rattle off one or two more and kind of feel like they're, maybe right there behind the Jordan Bulls. But right now I say that, that those three, San Antonio, LA, and Golden State are kind of all fighting for second. On the poll, 61% said Michael Jordan's Bulls. Uh, that was first place. 25% said Steph's Warriors as second place. And then the other voters were uh, single-digit percentages. So it was clearly Bulls and Warriors with Bulls taking the lead. All right, I got a couple quick questions for you outside of the NBA Finals and those two teams. What does Miami have to do uh, to win a championship? They've got... And close now. They got in the bubble. They were in the championship. They took the year off. Then they're back. They're back now this year. Uh, very close to it. Uh, they've got Butler. They've got some guys around them that are good uh, and very good even at times. Um, you know, I saw today the picture of uh, Spider Mitchell uh, would be a great <laughs> addition for him. But what do they have to do to get to get over that hump? Well, and I think the Donovan Mitchell move is that first of all, he is so much like Dwayne Wade. That'd be really weird. like the way he plays. Uh, that'd yeah. be really weird yeah. to watch. Um, I think that part of the deal there is is that through a very you know heat culture type of year they had guys like Gabe Vincent and Max Struess and a bunch of guys that you wouldn't have heard of and even as recently as like February and if you unless you were like paying attention to the heat or watching all 82 for all 30 or whatever right and I think that that means that they feel like a that frankly feels like free marketing like hey come get these guys that are, you know, Max Drews can show up and shoot 40% from three for you, trust me, or, or whatever. Yeah. And B, um, probably more realistically, it makes, it's got to make Riley feel like the heroes or the Duncan Robinsons or whomever are more expendable because it feels like you're kind of running a machine at that point. Um, whether it's Goran Dragic in the bubble or Gabe Vincent now, like whoever shows him plays point guard next to Jimmy is going to be fine. Um, that said, I I would hesitate to just ditch a young guy like Tyler Hero. I'd probably try and fight to hold on to he and Bam. Even if you're trying to win in Jimmy Butler's title window, I'd probably try and hold on to Hero and Bam, not just because they're Kentucky guys, but because they do feel like the kind of guys that could be starters on a strong, solid, championship-quality type of team. And I don't think you just you can just find those guys all the time. Um, I, I wonder sometimes, and I love watching Bam play. I wonder if Bam can be in the Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic center that dominates the game kind of category or not. He had some games where he really looked like it and some games where he really didn't. And I think that's, you know, getting to the point of his career, it's like, which one are you going to be? But 
I I would if I were them, I would try to move like Duncan Robinson's the cap, this so it lines up with the cap, and then some of those other pieces and pull in another guy. I don't hate the Spider Mitchell move. Um, however, I would probably want someone who like plays more of a distribution role um, because when they were at their best, when Lowry was his healthiest, that was kind of what Lowry did. Um, and so, you know, they were the number one seed in the East and they did lead the league in three point percentage and like they did things well and this, the wheels kind of fell off. And so I don't think you need to mess it up too much. I wouldn't right. sell the farm to go get Donovan Mitchell, but I'd certainly give him a call and see what they want, you know? Yeah, it's funny. My a couple have been several weeks ago now, but one of my kids asked me who's starting for Miami, um, and so I looked it up to see who was starting, and I started reading names. I was like, "Who are these guys? <laughs> I don't even know who these guys are." Uh, but uh, nonetheless, um, okay. Two more things for you. One, the Lakers hire Ham. Um, they talked about we want experience, we want experience, we want experience. Let's go hire a guy who's, who's not been a head coach in the league. Uh, before I don't think it's a bad hire. He obviously is has uh, worked his way up. He played as well, and those kinds of things. So he's not he's not a novice to the situation. I did not see how that job was enticing for a veteran coach um, like it would have been five years ago if LeBron was five years younger. Um, but to me, I sat there and go, I don't know what guy would want to do that. I compared it to Lovey Smith and the Texans. Like nobody wanted that Texans job, so Lovey Smith got it. Um, and I like Lovey Smith. I think he's going to do as good as anybody in Houston. But nonetheless, back to basketball. <laughs> so they go with the guy that doesn't have the experience in Ham. How is that going to work for LA? So I think what's interesting here will be how much of the Milwaukee stuff. So Darvin Ham has been assistant coach in LA from 2011 to 13. That's like Kobe is trying to get back to the title with Powell and they go get Howard and Nash. It doesn't quite work out that iteration of Lakers. He was in Atlanta for a long time before eventually coming with Budenholzer from Atlanta to Milwaukee. The length of time with Budenholzer makes me think he'll run something similar to that, which would be a lot of shooting around a ball dominant guy. Um, whoever that may be. The issue is that the Lakers don't have that in the roster, right? They'd, if they'd had that in the roster, it probably wouldn't have been the hole they were in. And I think Darwin will be a great coach at some point. I, I really like, uh, A, I think it's important to say how many players were supportive of the hire. Like, players don't have to tweet things. Players coming out of the woodworks to talk about they like this guy, I think is a good sign, right? Um, the second thing I'll say is, is that, like, that Milwaukee was, like, kind of reticent to just let him walk is <laughs> probably also a good thing, right? Um, they were a team that, like you said, just won the championship last year. And, of course, their assistant coach are going to be like, guys everyone wants and you know they, they don't necessarily want him to walk away i i will say that he we mentioned role players he was a role player i, I guess we'd probably tag that too um i just i wonder if the city of los angeles is patient or lebron himself is patient enough to let it play out because this roster is not close to be able to run the kind of system that Budenholzer runs right and assuming that ham was run something similar because that's, you know, again, Atlanta to now Milwaukee and all all together. I wonder if it's not a great hire for them because systematically Milwaukee and the Lakers couldn't be more different. And that's really kind of a shame because, like, that could very quickly shrink his tenure, right? And that doesn't mean he won't be a good coach. I think the guy that uh, – the guy in Cleveland that's name's escaping me at the moment. But Cle- he'd, been, he'd bounce around a couple different places, right? And right. it just – sometimes you got to find the right fit. And I don't know that Lakers the right fit, but I don't think that means he's a bad coach. I like right. Darvin a lot. Uh, we'll hope it works out for him. But 
Last thing for you, the NBA draft's coming up at the end of the month, and uh, there's a guy in the draft that people where I live are not very fond of, and it's Shaden Sharp. Um, Shaden Sharp came to Kentucky, never played a second. Uh, we were told uh, he was going to play next year and uh, and be patient with him and all that kind of stuff. Then nobody's surprised he's going into the draft. Everybody's really mad at Calipari more than they are Shaden Sharp, but um, I need an outsider's perspective on Shaden Sharp as an NBA player and prospect because all I know him as is a guy who didn't have the heart to play this year. <laughs> so uh, how does how does everybody else see Shaden Sharp? I mean, they're saying he's a, a top ten pick. Well, and honestly, um, there's a hot second. So the Rockets are the third pick, and so in Rockets stuff, there was a hot second. People were like, "Could you trade the third pick for like two other top ten picks and get Sharp as one of your other top ten picks?" Um, mm. I. I don't, Houston's not doing that. I wouldn't recommend doing that. Uh, I will say that I had a guy on the FN Sports podcast uh, about a week ago at this point who was like a draft expert. Like he does NBA draft year round and he does it very well, uh, named Max Bombach. And he he had Sharp as the number two guard on his board um, behind Ivy. And I said, but we only have high school tape on him. What are you watching? And he, he pulled out a couple things about how athletically – if you watch that high school tape at some of the levels, he's playing against guys that are also in college the next year and are also whatever. And he's clearly far above a superior athlete and this, then the other thing. And so if you're watching the right tape, you can kind of get it by like, if this, then that kind of stuff doing the roundabout. And then he was talking about his measurables at the combine, the NBA combine, which we don't think of quite the same way thing of the NFL combine being such a make or break deal, but his vertical, his burst, uh, his, all, all those things were, measurable to the type of NBA athletes that are typically starting at shooting guard. Right. And so you got to think that it's not going to be an athletic issue for him. And then uh, he was like, you know, he might show up and not start for you for a year or two because he hadn't played basketball in a while. He hadn't played competitive basketball in a while and all of that kind of thing. But also, uh, and I thought this was funny. He said he hasn't been sitting around taking algebra two either. <laughs> like, like he has been, he has been working towards this. He's been very clearly yeah. set on being in the pros in a way that I don't mean to say Kentucky guys don't go to class. They go as much class as anyone else that's in Power Five conference. But they certainly have a mindset of Kentucky about getting to the pros very quickly, right? Yeah. And yeah. so um, I think that that was a fair point, and I, I trusted him on it. Um, I would rather have Ivy. I think he's at the closest is fifth. I think it's interesting that in the last 10 days since I talked to Max, uh, a guy named Dyson Daniels, who also worked around college and went to the G League Ignite route, he is kind of climbing into people's top 10. And he's also a 6'5", 6'6", guard. Um, and so I think those guys start where you start to be comparable. Um, I, I hesitate on it. I'd rather have Ivy. So if I'm trading into the top five, I'd probably rather trade to four and make sure I could get Ivy because I think the forwards are going to go one, two, three. Um, but I, I don't know if I can guarantee I have him if I come in at six or seven, like if I'm Portland at seven, I don't know if I guarantee that I have him. Um, and I think it's the kind of deal where, whether it's Marvin Williams at North Carolina or Darko Milicic in Oh two or Oh three or whatever that was like, sometimes people just say like, there's a lot of potential here. We're willing to put our, our chips in on potential. And that's the NBA draft seems to be about that. I, I will say that there are people that know what they're talking about that haven't very highly. And I haven't, I hadn't watched him play the same watch other guys play. Yeah. Well, that's good. I needed to hear some, something else. Uh, that is very negative in Lexington <laughs> right now on Shaden Sharp. Needless to say, uh, we just hired a new assistant coach at Kentucky and, 
That hasn't gone well either. But anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Parker Ainsworth, he's the host of the FN Sports Podcast. You can get it anywhere you get your podcasts uh, there as well. Uh, are you on, I should ask you this before you came on, but are you on Belly Up TV? No, so we're just audio. So we're on your Spotify's, your Apple's, or everything like that, yeah. Everywhere like that. He's also the basketball head at Belly Up Sports, so you can find writings and things like that. It covers a lot of Houston Rockets things, but you can find and other things as well. You can find it on bellyupsports.com and on Twitter at Painsworth512. Uh, his name's Parker Ainsworth, so Painsworth512. <laughs> Someone um, got it. Someone got it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I get it, man. I, I So quick, quick story, podcast, Sports Stove podcast. I've recently had a lot of people tell me, I just figured out why it's Sports Stove. Uh, they didn't know what, what it was for a long time. Then they realized my last name's Stover, so it all fits in. But they thought it was about food for a while. They weren't sure what was going on. So I'm like, well, I wish I would have thought about that. But oh, well. <laughs> anyways, it is what it is. Parker, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate your time. I hope you had a good Memorial Day weekend and have a good, uh, good some time off now as your teacher. Uh, <laughs> get, hopefully get a little downtime. Completely. I'm excited about the summertime. But good to talk to you again, Vince. <laughs> all right. We'll see you, Parker. Thanks. See you. All right, that's Parker Ainsworth. Again, FN Sports Podcast. You can find it anywhere you can Great podcast. He is a teacher, so he grades sports topics. Uh, really, really good show. I encourage you to go check that out. Also, don't forget to go to intheclutch.com. Use code SPORTSSTOVE. You get 10% off your purchase. And use the link in the podcast episode notes on YouTube and the podcast uh, for Elementor if you're interested in getting a top-of-the-line website and easy to manage. They host it for you as well incredibly affordable stuff. Make sure you go check out Elementor and use the link provided in the episode notes as well. All right. We'll have a brand new episode dropping Thursday morning for podcast and uh, be on belly up TV on Friday. Uh, we typically drop the, the audio Friday as well, but due to schedules and things changing, we're going to have to record on Wednesday evenings. So we'll go ahead and drop the audio version on Thursday for you and then have it on TV on Friday as well just so you're aware we'll still be doing the three episodes a week there as well all right friends make sure you go to bellyupsports.com by the way uh we don't talk enough about them but we're part of the belly up media and uh, on belly up tv and uh right especially football season write things on bellyupsports.com bellyupfantasysports.com as well uh is uh, great stuff for fantasy baseball fantasy football fantasy basketball other things going on as well we sure appreciate the uh the camaraderie the teamwork and the support of belly up uh, there as well. All right. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sports Stove. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.